And that's why this morning for a few moments, I want to talk about alive, reviving my purity, reviving my purity. And I want to share with you a little bit about King Josiah. King Josiah was a king in the Old Testament, and uh, he was actually the 15th king of Judah, okay? And uh, the thing about King Josiah is he was very young. He was very young when he stepped into what God had for him. And, and those who looked at him may have said, how can you change something? You haven't even been around long enough. And, and, and in his heart, all, I, all he said was, I'm just going to listen and do whatever God tells me to do. Whatever he says do, I'm going to do it. Because it's not me anyway. It's God that's doing it. Second Kings 23-25. Second Kings 23-25. Just one verse says this about King Josiah. This is what God had to say about King Josiah, young King Josiah. 2 Kings 23, 25, this is out of the New King James Version. You have a different version. We'll get to the same place together. But the Bible says, now before him, before him, there was no king like him. Did you know that about King Josiah? Who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him. Now, when you think of some of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, uh, Hezekiah would come to mind. Uh, Asa maybe would come to mind. Certainly, King David would come to mind. Even Saul might come to mind. But I don't think about Josiah when I think about the kings of Judah. He's not the first one that comes to mind. Yet, here, the Bible says before him there was no king like him. There was none like him. And then it says, nor after him did any arise like him. So there must be something about King Josiah. He turned to the Lord. Uh, back in 1 Kings 13, it says uh, there was a prophecy about him. It said, Behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord Jeroboam. He stood by the altar of incense, okay? He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. He said, O altar, O altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David. And on you, speaking to the altar, he shall sacrifice, watch this now, the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. We need some Josiahs to step up who are not afraid to bring down the high places, those immoral things, come on, those things that are not like God, who are not afraid to speak out because you'll be seen as not tolerant, who are not afraid to speak out for God because you'll be seen as a person uh, who's just old-fashioned and you're, you're not up with the times, who's not afraid to say, I'm going to bring down the high places, in my life at least. I'm going to get rid of the idols because on this altar... <laughs> Those who support those high places, there's coming a time where they will be burned on the altar. They're going to be burned on the altar, and I don't want any part of that. Come on. This prophecy was given 300 years before Josiah was born. 
He was a man of prophetic destiny. Come on, for a specific time. And the last reform in Judah was under King Hezekiah 57 years before Josiah. He rose above the dark, above the hopeless situation, and he did what was right. During Josiah's reign, Jeremiah the prophet began his ministry, as did Zephaniah. We're called, ladies and gentlemen, to be a Josiah today. That's who God is looking for, a Josiah in our schools, in our homes, yes, in church, in our families, in our nation, we're called to be Josiahs. Why? Because who was Josiah? Josiah was a zealous reformer. Come on, Josiah was a reviver of the people. He was a rediscoverer of God's word. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to God's word. He was a responder to God. Because of all of that, he was a righteous man. So here's what I call the Josiah principle. Why, why, Pastor Mike, are you talking about Josiah? You see, we are not defined by the extraordinarily, come on, unfavorable circumstances of our evil time. We are called, you are called, to rise above the evil and to do what is right, to reform, to repent, to repair, to revive, and to believe God for revival. That's what you are called to do. You know, I love when Jesus was giving what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and he was saying, blessed are the meek, and blessed is this one, and blessed is that one. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers. And I love uh, his phraseology there because he didn't say blessed are those who keep peace. Blessed are those who seek peace. Blessed are those who want peace. Blessed are those who pray for peace. None of that. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. God is looking today for someone who's ready to make peace, not just hope for peace. See, if there's any hope for the world, we have to take action. We, we, we have a, our hope in the Lord. Our hope, our salvation uh, is in the Lord, but the hope for the world lies in us because Jesus is in us. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying this morning. But we can't be like the world just hoping for a better day. We need to make a better day. It's up to us to make a better day. Come on. Yeah, it starts with prayer, but prayer is not where it ends. <laughs> and don't think, don't shout me down. Don't think I'm being sacrilegious when I say that uh, it's not enough to pray. Because many would tell you prayer is enough. I'm here to tell you this morning, prayer is not enough. Jesus didn't just pray. He prayed for sure. And he said men ought always to pray. Oh, Jesus prayed, no doubt about it. But he didn't just pray. He went out and took some action. In fact, he was killed because of it. Jesus wasn't killed because of his prayer. Come on. He was killed because of the action that he took. We need to take some action. We're not defined by this world. And you see, Josiah, he wasn't a king that just everything was set up for him. I remember when... 
uh, our, the transition at this church happened from uh, my pastor, from our last pastor, and, and Dietra and I took over. I remember when that transition happened. And uh, it, it was really a beautiful, godly transition. I mean, we had a service where he laid hands on us. In fact, if some of you who were here might remember, not only did Pastor Phil lay hands, but he laid his whole body. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, transferring anointing, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, financially, he, 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 they, they paid off everything, including the building, if you remember that. We paid off our building at that time. In other words, he teed everything up. So that when Dietra and I took over, all we had to do was hit the ground running and keep on moving. That was beautiful. King Josiah, his situation wasn't like that. Because his grandfather, Manasseh, was a bad person. He did great evil. You don't believe? Read it back in 2 Kings uh, chapter 21. He loosened all the restraints on morality and idolatry. He just let it happen. Yeah, it, wicked beyond what you could imagine. He allowed soothsaying and witchcraft and all of these things to take place in Judah. Sorcery, medium, spirits, idolatry, homosexuality, shamelessness. He just allowed it all to happen. And then his son, Josiah's father, Amon, he did great evil. You'll see that in 2 Chronicles. So when Josiah stepped into this place, it wasn't teed up for him. So I think that we come to a point where we can stop feeling sorry for ourselves that it's not teed up for us to go out and bring the harvest in. That everybody's not just waiting for us to give one word and they just come rushing to the altar. That's what I feel like as a pastor. I ought to just be able to come up and preach a few words and people just ought to rush to the altar to be saved. I gave the word. I got mine. Get yours. Come on. But it doesn't happen like that. The world is not like that. Our nation, we're facing, we're facing a time in our nation where there is, uh, uh, if, if the devil had his way, there would be a death of truth. And here's where it starts. The death of truth doesn't come from people saying, I don't want the truth. It comes from people saying, wait a minute, you have your truth and I have my truth. This one has their truth, and you, you live your truth, you live your truth, and you live your truth. Leave me alone because I'm living my truth. There could be nothing further from the truth because that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. That's as false as a $3 bill. No such thing as your truth and my truth. The truth just is. I hate to tell you, but there, there, there's, no, there's only one truth, and that's what it is. It's just the truth. And, and, and we'll never have justice in this nation or justice in this world unless we realize that there is only one truth. As long as we're li you're living your truth and I'm living my truth, no justice. Come on. It won't happen. And God is a God of justice just as much as he is a God of grace. No truth, no justice. The disappearance of virtue bravery and honor integrity reverence respect all of these things even generosity and compassion purity where have all the virtues gone where have all the virtues gone demise of justice loss of conviction this is what we're facing when you look around it's what we're facing. People are not convicted about anything. That's why they say you can live your truth and I can live mine. I'm not convicted. 
I just go with the wind. Whatever, you know, is this person saying something? Is that person saying something? I used to, I used to ride to work with a guy. We traveled from here in Bloomington to Indy. Every day we rode together. And, and we used to have conversations and he knew I was a Christian. I knew he wasn't. And, uh, but we, we got along. We used to have some conversations. And one day, inevitably, we got into a conversation about spirituality. And this and this gentleman began to talk to me about church, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I've read the Bible." He said, "I read the Bible." I said, "Well, you've read the Bible. What? 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 How did, how did it hit you? I mean, what? Did you not believe it?" He said, "No, no, I believe. I believe everything in there, except for that Jesus dying on the cross part. But other than that, I believe everything." And I said, "Man, listen, uh, that's that's the whole thing." I said, "If you if you throw that out, you might as well throw the rest of it out." He said, well, I said, well, how can you do that? Why do you, why do you, he said, because I just take a little from everybody. You know, I listen to people at the Universal Unitarian Church. I listen to, uh, you know, the Nation of Islam. I listen to uh, some, some from Buddhist. I listen to some uh, from here, some from there. And I just take everything that I need. And I, I said, man, listen, you, you, I hate, I hate to tell you this, but you're the most mixed up person right now that I would ever meet because there's only one truth. There's only one truth, one truth, loss of conviction. Even Abraham Lincoln said, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. United we stand, divided we fall. Stand for something, have some conviction. What about the privatization of faith? Privatization of faith, what does that mean? It means we're being pressured to keep quiet about our faith. And, and we're being made to feel inferior for having faith. You could talk about anything else. You can talk about the LGBT community. You can talk about anything else except Christian faith. You can talk about all kinds of different faiths, where people are from. You can talk about different cultures of the world. All, you can have a cultural fair. Talk about anything you want. Fine with me. But I, let me talk about Jesus as well. But when you do that, oh, no, 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 no. And there's a dominance of feeling right now. I don't feel to do that. I don't feel to help you out. I don't feel like that's the right thing. I don't feel, I don't feel, <laughs> feel. Feelings have begun to replace human deliberation and decisions. Emotions have displaced reason. Come on. And style is winning out over substance. There's a lot of churches today have pastors who are great communicators, great, great charismatic communicators. If you want to listen to a communicator, listen to a TED talk. But if you want to be changed, listen to somebody who's preaching the word of God to you. Even if they're dry. Come on. Don't go just because they're not dry. Don't be, oh, this is a church for me because it's so exciting. But is the word being preached? Come on. We need the word of God. The exaltation of nature. All of these things are around us. So we're far from it being teed up for us to go out into the world. When Jesus said the harvest is ripe, the harvest is ready, he wasn't saying that people are just waiting there. That's not what he meant. That's what I would have thought he meant. That's what I've thought for years, that he meant people are just, please, please, I'm ready, I'm ready. All you got to do is say G, and I'll say Zus, and I'm with you. But that's not what it is. It means there's so much evil in the world that it's time for us to step out and step up. Step out and step up. We need to have the Josiah heart. Come on. The heart of Josiah. Do what's right in, in the sight of God. Walk in proven principles that are set before you. 
You know, I'm, I, I'm all about change. I am. I'm, I, listen, I've, I've had discussions with the leaders here at our church. And, uh, you know, I, listen, I'm not tied to any particular thing, uh, whether it's lights or drums or this kind of an instrument or the way we do things or children's church or the time of church or, you know, all of those things. Yeah, I'm all about change and move with the times and media. Uh, some of you know I love videos and, you know, all of those kind of things. I'm all about that. But there's some things that just don't change. There's something, there's some truths that just don't change. They never will change. And just because it's a new year, don't look to change. That truth is never going to change. You know, God said this, after Noah, after the flood and after Noah came back, Noah built an altar to God. And God said, listen, I can promise you this. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And nothing is going to change that. I don't care what happens. There's nothing that can change that. We need to start sowing some seeds, Christians. We need to start. So you want your future to change? Start sowing some seeds. Because you're reaping the harvest today of the things you sowed last year. And the harvest, uh, the, the, the ground and the harvest doesn't care that it was 2020. It doesn't care that you were going through COVID. Whatever seeds you sowed, you are reaping the benefits of that now. Even COVID, good times, bad times, whatever seed you sow, because as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. We need to make this Josiah decision. So here it is. What, what decisions do we need to make? I wrote a few down. First of all, decide to place your affections rightly. Decide to place your affections rightly. Many of us have many affections for a lot of things. But we're going to have to remove the high places. Come on. He is first. First in love. He's our first focus in worship. Don't put other things in front of God. Our family, our job, our children, our parents, our bank account. Whatever it is, we have to remove those things. It doesn't mean that we don't have them in our life. It just means they're not before God. He is our bay before all else, in case you didn't know what that means. He's before all else. All right, he's the one. He's the one. And as long as he's first, everything else will fall into line. That's what we're not realizing. That's what we're not realizing. We, did, we need to decide, make a decision today to put our affections in the right place, remove these high places. We need to make a decision today to live morally. It's a decision. It's not a reaction. Well, well, you know, I, I was trying to live morally, but how many times have we said that? How many times have I said it? Come on, I'm not going to lie. I was trying to do the right thing, but guess what? The buts get us in trouble every time. No buts. No buts. Make a decision. And I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not spewing condemnation. You know, if you know me by now, you know for a fact I'm not spewing condemnation. But the word ought to convict us. It ought, to convict, it ought to get in our heart and convict us to say, you know what? Yeah, I did. And we have an advocate with the Father, right? He always is there to forgive us, even if you're a prodigal. Absolutely. Absolutely. But aren't you tired of going through the same thing over and over? I know I've gotten to that place. And I can't blame people. I can't blame COVID. I can't blame the world. I can't blame the police. I can't blame politics. I can't blame the economy. All I can do is look in the mirror because God is no respecter of person. I don't care what, who you are, black, white, 
have a lot of hair, gray hair, whatever it may be. He is no respecter of person. And his word works for everybody who will use it. Anybody who speaks the name of Jesus, it will work for you. Are you human? If you are human, you have no excuse. Now, I'm not turning an eye to how I just named all the, way, all the things that are in the world and all the stuff that we have to go through. But guess what? None of that is greater than the name of Jesus. Not one of those evils is greater than the name of Jesus. We need to start speaking the name of Jesus for things to change in our own life. In our own life. Decide to pursue God's will. Destroy the wooden images. Uh, you know, there, there, there was a God, Asherah, that was the God of, of fortune and fame. And, you know, we chase that. We want a, a, a bigger 401k. and We want to learn how to invest. And we want all of those things. And God wants all of those things for us. He's just saying, come to me. I'll tell you how to do it. That's, that's the difference. He's just saying, come to me. Come to me. I invented the system. I invented it. I know how it goes. <laughs> While you're running around trying to figure it out, losing, uh, going, go, get, gaining, losing, gaining, losing, you don't know where you are. So I, I got it together. That's what God is saying. I know how to do it. Come to me. I'll teach you everything you need to know about finances. I'll teach you how to invest. I'll teach you how to keep the money. I'll teach you when to give and how giving helps you. <laughs> Come on. I'll teach you all of those things. Make me first is what he's saying. And then we have, to have, we have to decide to have a right perception of God. We need to destroy the carved images. There is only one God. The Lord thy God is one God. Yes, and I know there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't ask me about it. Ask him about it when you get there. Now we see through a glass darkly. Don't fuss with me about Trinity and oneness. I don't Listen, God is God. The Bible says the Lord thy God is one God, and there's a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's all of it. Don't worry about it. While you arguing about that, the devil's beating you over the head. You're sitting there arguing about oneness and trinity. And neither one of those is in the Bible other than the concepts. Stop arguing about it. Ask God. He said, youngest. And you know the way God is? I used to, I used to work for AT&T. And there was a, a guy who, who was there, and he was a trainer. And this man name was Tom. And uh, he knew so much stuff. He had been there for over 30 years. And I mean, I worked in a department that was very technical. We programmed uh, switches, CO switches. And, you know, it was, it was very, very technical. And so we had to talk a lot because we had to figure out what was happening in lines of code and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, this guy, Tom, he, he knew all this stuff. He, he's one of those guys, you ever heard this cliche, he, I forgot more stuff than you have learned. Right, that's the way he was, Jody. He, he forgot more stuff than we would ever learn, okay? That's the way this guy was. And, I mean, he knew stuff. And he'd be sitting there in his little cubicle, and then, uh, you know, you you try to figure out something, and you start fussing, and then Dietra and I would start talking, and, no, it's supposed to be this, and you're supposed to do that, and you're supposed to put your parentheses in. We could just talk, and we could talk for an hour, and he would just sit there. He knew the answer, but he would never bother us until we came to ask him. If you don't want to ask me, sit there and spin your wheels and try to figure it out. But the moment you ask me, I'll tell you, put the parentheses here. It works all out. I should have asked you in the first place. Yeah, you should have. That's what God is saying. You should have just asked me in the first place. We need to have a right perception of God, and that is that he should be first in our life. And then we need to decide, as we stated at the beginning, leave the past behind. Leave it behind, forgetting those things that are behind you, good and bad. Looking forward to the things that are before you, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high 
calling of God. And how many know God has a high calling for you? God, because you are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed, just like in Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 16. You are blessed. You're not cursed like verses 17 all the way down to 60, whatever. Leave those alone. You are blessed. God just wants you to walk in your blessing. Forget about that wrong perception of God. Leave that past behind. You know, the Israelites made a golden calf because they wanted to, they, they, I know God is out there, but I want to see something. I need to see something. I need to feel something. And God is saying, you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. That's the only way you get to know me. The world doesn't understand it because deep speaks to deep. They'll never understand it. Don't get upset if they don't understand it. They don't. Deep speaks to deep. We need to revive our heart, saints, for purity. Purity is being free from sin. And you might say, well, uh, you know, I've tried that. Listen, keep on trying. Keep moving. That's what I'm telling you today. Move forward. Move forward. Keep speaking. And you get knocked down, get back up again. Keep going forward, right? Holiness consists of an internal change or a renovation, come on, of souls whereby our minds, our affections are brought into harmony with God and his will. That's what we need to make the decision for. So here's, here it is, four questions for you. Four questions that we need to be asking ourselves. Anything that you do in life, here's how you can renovate your heart, all right? First of all, ask what, what I'm doing, is it helpful? Physically, spiritually, spiritually, and mentally. All through, because God cares about all three. You're a tripartite being. Did you know that? Talking about speaking about the Trinity. You're a tripartite being, and all three of those things should be in harmony in your life. This is what we have to seek after. I know we're not there yet, but this is what we're seeking after. Is it helpful physically, spiritually, and mentally for me? And then secondly, we need to ask the question, does it bring me under its power? Because anything that brings you under its power is an idol to you. You know, there are, there are things, and I'm, listen, I understand you're passionate about things in your life. Young people, you are passionate, and I'm one who loves the next generation, in case you didn't know that. I love the next generation because I think that they are our future. I don't think they are our future. You are our future. So I love the next generation, and I love the fact that they want to change things and that they're, you know, bucking the system. I love all of those things. But listen, anything that you're so passionate about that it brings you under its power, young people, is not good and it's not healthy for you. You control it. It doesn't control you with everything in your life, including pie, because you, you don't want to see. That's what happens. That's what happens when it, when it controls you. Ain't, right, Jeff? We don't want this. Number three, does it hurt others? <laughs> does it hurt others? We see all these, you, we, especially here in Bloomington, and you may not be from around here, but, you know, you drive around Bloomington, you'll see a bunch of signs that say, be kind, right? Be kind. Guess what? And you might say, well, I don't know about that. That's a, you know, that's liberal thinking and that's all of that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know who put it there and what their intention was. All I'm saying is God invented it. They just took it. God invented be kind, Okay. He invented be kind. And so we have to think about others. Remember, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 8, 13. He said, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. He cared so much about his brother 
that he said, look, if, if this is what's going to make you stumble, even though it's all right with me, I won't do it around you. Think about others. And then lastly, and obviously, does it glorify God? Does this thing glorify God? When you're doing something, ask yourself this question. Can Jesus participate with me? Can Jesus do this with me? If he was with me, would I still do it? If he was with me, would I still be engaged in this conversation? If he was with me, would I still be doing what I'm doing at this time of night? If he was here with me? It's time for us to step up and step out. Leaving those things behind and looking forward. Because God has got a great future for us. God has got a great future for us, saints. I, I realize that the things are bad, and, and I, I know all of that. In, the, in spite of all that, there's nothing that makes the devil more mad than when he does everything he can. He throws everything at you, including the kitchen sink, and you still stepping. He throws it at you, and you keep on moving. What else you got? What else you got? Because the name of Jesus is greater than anything you can throw at me. Anything you can throw at me.